ทัสสะบัคควาโทอะระหะโทสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสนะโมทัสสะบัคควาโทอะระหะโทสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสนะโมทัสสะบัคควาโทอะระหะโทสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสะอภารุจาเดสังอมทัสทาวราเยสุรวันทาบามุญจันทุสทังSangha, of course, is a is a it's a collective term, uh, and it means or it's a group of people that, and it's also the refuge in the sangha, the supatipano, ujjupatipano, those who practice, those who are putting into practice the teachings of the Lord Buddha, practicing the Dhamma. And so this uh, sangha is, uh, is, is we're getting beyond our own kind of personal identities and and uh, attitudes, cultural attitudes, or or racial, class, national, personal um, hang-ups and and uh, loves and hates for this common bond of. Of uh, sangha, of practicing in the right way, doing what is good, what is what is true, and so like patipano, a Pali word, to, to actually put into practice. It's not just a, a belief system or a or a, an idealism that we're adhering to as a common bond, because that. That only reach, that only helps on a certain level of inspiration, but as we all know, living uh, as a sangha, the the life is one of continuous uh, changingness and inspirations and and uh, disillusionments and the faith and and uh, the peaks of of uh, that we can reach in this life, and also the depressions. That we have to experience. So that the practice is is ability for us to they pay attention to live in that state of attentive awareness in the present. And so this is the the kind of the the uh, emphasis the Buddha made in his teaching. Uh, in, Of Dhamma and the Four Noble Truths, this this uh, sustained attentive awareness in the present, uh, being able to contemplate and to to observe, to witness, to pay attention to the uh, flow of conscious experience that each one of us ex- is is uh, experiencing right now, whatever way it might be. Because each one of us is experiencing life from the the point we're in right now. The, we have our own karma, our own uh, 
uh, habit tendencies, uh, the the way we experience life, uh, the flow uh, of conscious experience is like this for each one of us. And uh, if we try to find the common ground, well, we can say we can bring into into our mind the fact that we're all breathing. And that's something that we all share in common at this moment. Uh, it's the ordinary breathing, uh, physiological breathing of the body in the present is, is, a, is, is something that we can all witness to and observe. But then uh, beyond that lies all the kind of uh, karmic tendencies, inclinations, habits uh, that, that, that are all different from each other. Just the, the emotional habits and what uh, of various uh, degrees of coarseness and refinement and love and hate, like and dislike, uh, uh, fear and desire that, that can uh, be part of our conscious experience in the moment is infinitely variable in quality and quantity. Not like the breath, breath they might, the differences are minimal, but in, in when it comes to memory and emotion, thought, conditioning, uh, experience, all these are, are very different for each one of us. And yet the common, the common thing in the present is the ability to pay attention to the way it is. And that is the ability to pay attention, to be in that state of attentive awareness and is also the common bond of Sangha. Because it's it's not personal, it's not it's not conditioned by culture or by anything uh, that that we acquire, but just through being able to to open the mind, the heart to the present, to to sustain attentive attention, and to to pay attention to life in whatever. Uh, way we happen to be experiencing in the, in the present moment. And also the Buddha isn't seeking out extreme experiences as, a, as, as, as the, the uh, necessary uh, thing to experience extremity, but just the ordinariness, or just the feeling, the, the way it is in the present doesn't have to be in any extre- extremity of experience. Because most of our conscious life from birth to death is quite ordinary. The peak moments, the, the, the heights, the peaks and the depths of, of emotional experience uh, are, you know, we have those. But the common, commonness, what most of our life is about is like breathing and just feeling and being in the present when it, there's not particularly anything that much happening. So in learning to pay attention to life, and say in the Sangha, that particular form, like the monastic form, the Samana Sangha, is, is, uh, is, is a form to hold us in, to, 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 uh, to hold us, to help us, to sustain, to look at, to recollect, beyond personal preference or personal desire or uh, emotional habits. And as you know, and this Sangha is a Sangha of, it's uh, international, it's, it's uh, different races, nationalities, uh, different age groups, you know, men and women and so forth. So it, uh, we all uh, have our various uh, cultural uh, tendencies to deal with, our own uh, emotional habits that uh, we bring with us into the Sangha. But that ability to sustain, to pay attention, to be awake. I was teaching, uh, I taught two retreats in Thailand this uh, last February. Uh, using uh, and in the the forest tradition, the uh, northeast Thailand, the, it's identified with the with the uh, 
mantra of Puto or Buto, the, the mantric form of the name of the Buddha. And the, the first retreat was at the, at the um, uh, Buddhist uh, Youth Association in, in Tonbury, which is across the river from Bangkok. And this uh, Youth Association is a very kind of uh, energetic group of uh, people, especially young people who have devoted themselves to the uh, practice of meditation as taught by a, a woman, Thai woman called Mare Siri, who's an elderly woman who's practiced according to the Burmese method, the Mahasi Sayadaw method. And so that they have their particular style of meditation. Then, then the forest tradition uh, is identified in the minds of most Thais as being Puto. So the, the idea was that I was going to teach Puto in the Mahasi Sayadaw setting. And this, uh, I was the first uh, teacher they ever invited who wasn't part of the Mahasi Sayadaw setup. You know, this is quite an adventure for them to uh, take me on because you know what you're going to get uh, that might contradict or or uh, cause friction to the to the attitudes that one has to meditating in the Mahasi style. And so the, uh, because methods of meditation, techniques and all that are, uh, is people do attach to these and, and get very, uh, you know, form opinions and views around what method, uh, what style, what, what you do when you meditate. Various teachers, various uh, uh, teachers have uh, ways of, of teaching that, that one gets very attached to, or very, uh, because those, those are the, that's those are the conditions that one uses for mindfulness. Then we can become very attached to those those methods. So puto, I was using also as a as a reminder, rather than just as a mantra. One can use it merely as a kind of way of calming the mind by repeating it over and over or, or through mindfulness of the breath, the puto style of anapanasati. Or also as a reminder of the awakened, the awakened one. Bhutto means the awakened mind. That which is awake, aware, here and now, present. Uh, and this is what Buddha is in, in terms of of practical experience in the, in the present. It's the ability for us all to pay attention, to be awake in the present. And even though we, we would assume we're awake, doesn't mean necessarily we are. We, When we're caught in the momentum of habit and desire, emotion, uh, and just uh, lost in, in that movement, then we're not really awake. We're, we're a, a kind of bound into the force of habit. And it's when we awaken to that, when we bring ourselves, pay attention to that, that we can say we, there is, that is the awakened mind. So using Bhutto as a, as a rec, as, as a reminder, here and now, this is the way it is, bringing attention to the basics first, the posture or to uh, the state of the body in the present, the, or the breath, the anapanasati, or the mood of the mind, bringing, just noticing, uh, awakening to just the, the mental state or quality that you're experiencing, whether it feels you feel inspired or depressed or certain or uncertain, happy or sad or whatever is, is uh, awareness of the mood is also okay, awakening to the way it is. Then the, the teachings, uh, using the, the Buddha Dhamma teaching as a, as a way of instructing ourselves in the present. 
because we're all conditioned out of avicca or ignorance, not understanding things as they really are. Uh, we're culturally conditioned, socially conditioned through avicca, not through panya or wisdom. So we have this momentum of avicca that that uh, that tends to uh, dominate conscious experience. We experience life through avicca or through ignorance of of the truth. Uh, even though we're conscious, we, this uh, consciousness is always being influenced by this avicca. So in in uh, meditation, the vipassana meditation, we're developing panya or using panya or wisdom as a way of informing, instructing ourselves, instructing our consciousness, informing conscious experience in the present with wisdom, which is a way out of this avicca or ignorance. Of course, the basic basic ignorance is uh, is the identification with the five khandhas. Uh, I am the five khandhas, in other words. Uh, this is this is very much uh, the way the world. This is what the world believes. It is a very strong attachment identity to the body, to one's own body, to the the feelings, the perceptions mental formations, consciousness as, a, as, a, as a, a personal thing, a unique and personal identity is, the, is, is born out of avicca or ignorance of the Dhamma. So in the Buddha Dhamma, they, this, this beginning to investigate these five khandhas uh, and in of course, this, this is an ongoing process to investigate, to look into, to question. Because the Buddha Dhamma isn't, uh, isn't one, isn't a, isn't a religion of, of, of uh, attachment to beliefs or Buddhist ideas. But it, the, the whole thrust of the Buddhist teaching is investigation. It's a, it's a very important word. Looking into contemplation, reflection, Examination, uh, and this is most—I think—one of the, the the main reason why most of us have been attracted to to Buddhism, is because in our hearts we we somehow sense this is this is this, at least in in my own heart this is what what I want to do what I can do. I can investigate experience or contemplate it or notice it. I, I'm not very successful at controlling and, and uh, creating and, and trying to manipulate experience to, into what I want or like or feel comfortable with, but I can at least open myself and observe and investigate experience, whatever that experience might be. So, and to do that, of course, you have to be awake. You have to you have to pay attention. It's not it's not a it's not a an abstract kind of thing. You're not you're not contemplating things in in reasonable or logical patterns about what should or shouldn't be, but you're just noticing the way it is, whether in both its ordinariness and and in its extremities, because life. As conscious experiences, in a, is a, this continuous flowing experience of high of of the the movement, the waves that we experience through consciousness. So you can't paralyze or petrify these waves and 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 seek the the peaks, but to be with the flow of them is the is what we can at least do within this human form at this time because we have this Buddha-like mind the mind that can that can observe and notice pay attention to the experience of, co of conscious experience 
taking this to to ultimate like I've been doing this for, for over 30 years now you know, say so it it uh, is um, you know 30 years for most people I think seems like a fairly long time <laughs> uh, doesn't seem so long looking back it doesn't seem like I've been, been a monk all that long but but in terms of uh, convention, uh, uh, conventions of time, it's been th over 30 years of this kind of uh, uh, determination. And of course, you go through various stages of inspiration, or start out, I remember feeling very inspired. And uh, very dedicated, you know, fed up with the world. Uh, ordained when I was 32, and uh, and I'd been through enough experience uh, to be utterly bored with the possibilities of lay life. So uh, I I didn't uh, you know I didn't have I was I was weary, bored, fed up with all the possibilities that were there for me as, as a lay person. And monasticism was, was kind of, I liked the idea of it. I liked the, it inspired me. Uh, and so, and Buddhism, of course, I've been a Buddhist for 10 years already, but never practicing, never, never through meditation, but through merely through uh, kind of inspiration, reading of books, intellectual Buddhist. So then the first few years were very, very inspired uh, and there was that energy of inspiration. And then it peaked, and then it went into kind of, di uh, you know, more like uh, disappointment and uh, various emotional waves of, of uh, inspiration, desperation, disappointment. And that, but the, the continuous factor through those various uh, emotional uh, highs and lows was a mindfulness, trying to maintain that awareness of the of the emotional state that you're in, of, of the of the, not not to get lost in the highs, nor to to give up when everything's uh, in, in the in the depressions, the the depressing part, but to keep reminding with the puto the to look to observe to notice the changingness the impermanentness the the unsatisfactoriness the the not selfness of the changing conditions Then our own karma, we have to work through our own karmic uh, tendencies. So, uh, being a, a Westerner in in a traditional and very conservative Thai monastery, as in Northeast Thailand, being a, a Western monk, and then coming to to the UK, and with with the uh, with the um, hopes, expectations, the the attitudes, the the tendencies, uh, and that 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 um, that I have. So that then the the twenty years that I've spent here in in England, for example, then uh, having to deal with uh, 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 positions and and establishing monasteries and ordaining people and and uh, taking on responsibilities and so forth has also been a part of attempting to use the flow of experience as uh, for this uh, investigation of Dhamma. With the uh, in uh, noticing the, say the, the Western problems with the Western world, uh, this is just my own reflection. Uh, 
uh, on it is uh, is notice uh, the the kind of complicatedness of Western mind. For example, this is speaking from for myself, the uh, the tendency to uh, to be very self-critical, and there's um, uh, like like the the basic human passions emotions that that we have like uh, like uh, lust or sexual desire or anger or or jealousy fear uh, anxiety uh, these kind of emotional habits uh, I found a tremendous aversion to them that that my own react my 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 character tendency was to hate them or hate myself for having these and to idolize um, the idea of becoming a a, a monk uh, with, with by holding to a very a set of ideals of what I should be and then comparing my experience of daily life emotional habits with the ideal and I was always feeling a, a sense of uh, un unworthiness and self-aversion. Because culturally I'm, I'm very much conditioned to see things in terms of, of ideas of what should and shouldn't be and compare myself and, and the sense of my uh, self-identity is to try to become what I think I should be, the ideal and then to feel always this sense of frustration and and aversion and, and despair with the realities of what I'm actually feeling. Also, because one is so identified with the ideals, then uh, oftentimes what, you're, what I actually feel, I'm not very much aware of. And so there's this, this kind of conflict between the, the brain and the heart so you've got you can figure it all out: meditation, Buddhism, Buddha Dhamma. Uh, on the intellectual plane, it didn't take me long to figure it out. Uh, on that level, of the abstract and the ideal, but uh, but the reality of experience in daily life as a Buddhist monk was um, was quite a challenge to try to. To, to keep reminding myself, to keep using the puto as a way of reminding myself to notice what I'm actually feeling, what's going on, uh, no matter what way it is, uh, if, you know, if it's miserable or boring or nothing much at all or uh, exciting or inspiring, uh, it was easy to, to get carried away with, with the inspiration or excitement and to seek like happiness and, and inspiration from this life and then uh, and then when the when the going gets rough you feel negative fed up bored uh, to there's also resistance to these feelings kind of denial or resistance to to the aversion or to the boringness of it to the to the wanting to to make this life into into something interesting and, and and creative and fascinating, fulfilling for myself, and and in the process not be able to get in touch with my own sense of despair or or uh, boredom, dissatisfaction. But also recognizing that in the contemplative mind, the uh, uh, the awareness of things that are say that have no definition, like space and silence. The, much of my practice over the years has been around really uh, recognizing the infinity of space and the infinity of silence. Because these are these are uh, these are formless and they 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 have no limit to them, 
and the and this gives us perspective on the limitedness of of our own feelings or ideas, opinions, views, thoughts, sensual experiences, sensory experiences. At first I began to say with desire, the the attitude of desire, that they were, that we've got to get the 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 logic from my conditioned mind out of Abhijja was that I've I have a lot of desires I've got to get rid of them. If, if you're going to get enlightened, you've got to to get rid of your desires. That's the logic that comes from my conditioned mind out of Abhijja. Or I've got bad habits so like. Um, um, Anger, aversion, uh, greed, uh, fears, anxieties, and I've got to get rid of these. Kill the defilements, get rid of, kill the kilesas, and all that. It's kind of, uh, uh, it's logically, you know, it, it, fig- it, it fits into the, the pattern of logic that, we, that we're conditioned with. If it's good, you try to hold on to it. If it's bad, you try to get rid of it. Then, contemplating the teachings of the of the Lord Buddha more and more, one began to see that desires very much isn't really the problem, uh, isn't really the the cause of suffering. It's the attachment to desire, and and this attachment to desire is caught out of ignorance. So that you you begin to contemplate the the desire, get to know and 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 really. Uh, investigate desire, the, the three kinds of desire, so that as soon as they, you feel them in your mind, you're, 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 you know what desire is. Rather than just trying to resist it and get rid of it and deny it, one is, examines it, one contemplates it. And what does it feel like? What is it like to to want something you don't have, or to want to get rid of something you don't like. What is it, th- th- those kind of desires, what do they feel like? And so you're, uh, I would contemplate this feeling, this sense of wanting something or not wanting something. And from there then the, the desire could be put in a context of of non-desire, what is that like when there's no desire? Because desire, once you begin to really accept it and know it, it it's, and, and you're no longer just caught in blind uh, resistance to it, then you also recognize its presence and also that it ceases, it's not permanent. And the cessation of desire then is seen in, in the sense of its absence of desires like this. So the um, the puto is able to see the presence and the absence, is able to know in a direct way the existing experience of desire, and then its absence is also can be recognized. So that the absence of something of desire of self is 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 realized. Just noticing that my the conditioning of the mind out of avicca is sees things in in terms of ideas and and uh, ideals, what should and shouldn't be, what's right and what's wrong, what's good and bad, and so forth. Then then panya or wisdom is the ability to observe the impermanent the unsatisfactoriness, the non-selfness of, of, the, of desire, tanha. And then the liberation is to realize non-desire, to know directly 
the, when, when your own experience in the present, when there isn't any desire, is like this. And there's no self. It's like this. Uh, when there's silence, when there's emptiness, it's like this. And so the awaken or the puto, or the awakenness in the present, has this ability to sustain an awareness around the presence and the absence of the changing conditions that we have experienced through consciousness. Well, it sounds, you know, to describe it like this is, is one thing, but to do it is, takes a, a, a strong determination. Uh, a willingness to use experience, whatever it might be. And so in Thailand, I, in, in, uh, I was in Thailand for the past two months, just noticing with other monks, of, uh, especially Western monks, uh, the, the attitudes they have about practice and opinions that they form around uh, whether you should get the jhanas or not or samatha vipassana or, or puto or, or rising ceasing or, or whatever the, uh, and whether you should study the sutras the suttas or not or the abhidhamma or and all the various uh, opinions and views uh, about, uh, and there's a lot of doubts arising in the minds about what level of samadhi do you need before you can do vipassana. And this, every time, years going to Thailand, there's this endless kind of uh, questioning going on about how much samadhi do you need to get before you can start doing vipassana. And then there's various views that first John at least and then others say fourth and then others say just uh, neighborhood concentration and, and it needs to get from books and, and and from various views and opinions but what actually works you know this is up to you to find out it's not something if you try to to experience life through through the suttas or through books well, you can't you know, there's no reflection there you you're, you're gathering ideas and then trying to realize, uh, trying to, to create those experiences uh, yourself rather than really be aware of what works and what doesn't. What works for you and what doesn't. You, only you can know that. You're the one that knows. You can't, uh, how can anyone else know what what works and what doesn't in terms of experience in the present. We all have our views and opinions and ideas and theories and that, but in terms of, of direct knowing here and now, it's, it's only, only I can know what works for me and what doesn't. Or what is desire and what isn't. When is my, when is there a self, and when there's then isn't there a self? So these, this is the, this is where the, uh, um, this, this, this uh, awakenness, and trusting in this, in the, in the simple ability to awaken, to pay attention. In the present, it's not, it's not a a difficult thing to do. It's not like an attainment uh, that great yogis achieve. It's not nothing, don't put it in a context of, of uh, some, some super, you know, super state of samadhi that is uh, only very few people can ever realize because then you, you, you make it impossible for yourself once you, you exalt it to a point where it's, uh, it's beyond your ability. Because the Buddha wasn't pointing to extremity, but to the very ordinariness of the present moment. And suffering as, a, as is the most common kind of a human experience, isn't it? It's just, everybody suffers. 
There's nothing special about suffering in this realm that we live in. It's all, we all suffer uh, you know, in various degrees. It doesn't have to be even a lot of suffering, just the suffering of, of uh, being hungry. <laughs> you don't need a great tragedy to, ex- to realize the, the noble truth. So that suffering isn't 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 a a, a special state uh, a, a, or an exalted state. It's an ordinary bond of all humans, isn't it? We all share uh, this realm that we're born into as the realm of where we suffer. And then this this suffering uh, is is a, is something to understand, to investigate to pay attention to, because through that attentiveness to suffering, we realize non-suffering. So then you ask yourself, well, if you really know suffering is suffering, then you can also realize non-suffering. Because in that state of awareness, it, it, isn't, it, isn't, it isn't dependent on the suffering, it's, it can observe the suffering. When we're in the state of attention, awakened attention, then we're aware of the suffering and we're also aware when it's not there, non-suffering. Or self, the sense of oneself, and when there's no sense of a self. And so in, in our practice, we're, we're developing this awareness of the, of the presence uh, the changingness of conditionality and the absence of attachment with non-attachment, non-self, non-suffering. Also I noticed in, uh, in my experience in meditation over the years of developing a lot of uh, samatha practice of concentrating the mind uh, in a way where you get very tranquil. And the, and the difference between that and the, uh, and the, and the peace of, of non-attachment is different. So when the Buddha, before he was enlightened, he went through these various levels of, of jhanas and, and, and uh, refinements of consciousness, refined conscious experience, uh, reaching the, the uh, ultimate refinement of neither perception or non-perception. But even that wasn't liberating because there's still control, there's still it's still uh, limited to controlling. It's not liberated. It's not, you're not free when you're controlling your mind. So in the way of non-attachment then, they, that you realize through contemplating the Four Noble Truths, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a freedom of the heart. You feel this sense of well-being, of, of, of of, re- of feeling relaxed at ease, and you're not, you're not controlling. You're not, you're not uh, trying to make anything or, or stop anything or prevent anything. And that is through rec- accepting everything from what it is. So they're like in, in, uh, uh, like meta practice. Uh, I've used metta as a as a skillful means, or like unconditioned love, meaning that whatever I'm experiencing uh, in the present, to f- to to tell myself to accept it fully for what it is, welcoming, kind of embracing experience, and especially the stuff I don't like and don't want. I found that an enormous kind of helpful uh, upaya because 
uh, I found there's so in my tendency, personal tendencies, to to try to control the mind or resist a lot of of unpleasant uh, things, the emotional habits that I have, trying to kind of deny, get rid of them. And so through this this uh, this sense of unconditioned love, unconditioned acceptance of what is. Just try it and see what the difference is of trying to get rid of bad thoughts and a bad mood. They're distracting your mind to something else or welcoming this mood, investigating, fully accepting it, letting it be what it is, non-judgmental. It's not, it's not approving or disapproving. It's, it's, it's not it's not making judgments on it it's willing to let it things be what they are in terms of they just I'll say on your own emotional experience in the present well for when I when I'm successful at this not always. <laughs> when I'm successful, then the result is a, is a sense of ease. It's like I'm, st- I'm not caught in this resistance anymore. It's trying to, like meditation can be uh, a form of, of resisting things. You know, you go into sitting mode and then you, you've got a technique and then you, then you try to control your mind. And... Uh, and you're trying to get get achieve something from meditation, like get a like you read in a book or or hear somebody else talk about levels of attainment and and insight that you want to achieve, and uh, and how you've got to get rid of the kilesas or get past the hindrances, uh, unfetter yourself from the sanyojanas and. <laughs> And, you know, it, at first you have the inspiration to try all that, but after a while you just give up. Because it, that's not how it works, is it? It is it, an endless kind of battle uh, trying to, to, uh, to um, purify yourself through, through ignorance and willfulness. So then the the awareness, except the, the, the like metta bhavana, I've used a lot as, as uh, this unconditioned love, non-judgmental acceptance of, especially of my own well, my own uh, uh, feelings. And when when this actually operates, then. Then, then there is this sense of, of uh, when things drop, there's a some unpleasant emotion. Like like the other morning, I woke up and I, and and immediately there's some unpleasant feeling in my mind when I woke up. I'm kind of a feeling of kind of a negative feeling. Oh, another day, kind of oh, another day, kind of grumbling feeling. So. Then I I noticed that grumbling feeling, and I fully accepted that grumbling feeling. I kind of embraced it with my mind. Where and and then it dropped. It dropped away. And then the result was a sense of of just feeling very peaceful and and quite willing to participate in life, starting the day off and whatever has to, what has to be done. But the the uh, but the, the the habit tendency is you know like like I used to train myself to when I wake up I must think positive thoughts so <laughs> I, I make these aditanas or these these kind of resolutions right when I wake up I'm going to be positive so the alarm goes off and and, and you, you've got some kind of positive statement to that you try to to bring forth, 
and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But it, it, it uh, you know, sometimes it, it, you can start off being positive. But so much of the time, in the, in that when you're way coming out of sleep, sleep consciousness into back into into uh, ordinary consciousness, this is kind of negative. I mean, for me, the, the tendency is more towards the negative, and then then a tendency to try to deny or resist the negativity of that. If I don't, then I get caught into this negativity. So I, I either get in, I wake up, feel negative, and then go around, the, on, you know, thinking, uh, feeling negative all morning, or, or trying to get rid of it through uh, distracting myself or positive, taking positive images and, and bringing them into consciousness. But I found much more useful than that was this metta or total acceptance of the negativity in the present to really well, I'd say embrace it, feel it, be it, be with it. And through that total acceptance, unconditional love, then that those things don't have any any real uh substance to them so that they they draw you know they got they're like phantoms of the mind really they don't they don't have anything in themselves uh to sustain themselves so once they're fully accepted for what they are they 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 disappear at least that's what i felt Then, then I noticed that the mind without that negativity is like this, the conscious experience where there's no negativity. And I, and I notice this, I deliberately inform my consciousness that non, that the mind, the, the, the conscious moment without negativity and really, uh, Make a make a note of it. It's like this. So that that my conscious experience is is being informed with wisdom, noticing the way it is. The presence of negativity and the absence of it, or of desire and the absence of it, or the sense of yourself, sense of myself, or the absence of it is like this. This is where each one of us, you, know, you have to know what kind of, you know, the, you don't have to, but I encourage you to, uh, to well, really, uh, whatever uh, habitual tendencies you have, good or bad, or whatever their quality might be, uh, to, uh, that's, that's your path, to notice that. Each one of us is, uh, has to work with, the, with what, what we're experiencing. Now you can't, you can't experience what I experience, except, you know, you have to, you know, the, the kind of karma that each one of us has is the way it is. Maybe it's not what we like, but it is what we what we're experiencing. <laughs> so, uh, so it, it is, it, that isn't the point. It isn't important what it is and quality of it. It's the ability to know it for what it is, and this you're transcending the personal, the karmic, uh, the karma, the personal karma you have. The, the, uh, and this is what Sangha really means, to me anyway. 
is we're transcending our personality, our 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 personal habits, our uh, emotional tendencies. Not transcending them through it's not a denial or rejection of them, but it's an understanding of them, in which they no longer are the the uh, the conditions that we experience our life through. We're not experiencing life through the distortions of our conditioning, but experiencing through sati, mindfulness, sampajanya, clear understanding, clear comprehension in panya, wisdom. And this is not a personal thing. Sati, sampajanya, panya, these, these are Pali words, but they're pointing to, to, to each one, that which is transcending the the conditions uh, that that each one of us is uh, is experiencing in the present like just contemplate the, the ability to pay attention it's like like listening where your mind is poised in a state of openness it's not it's not listening for anything or judging sound or anything, but just in that state of poised attentiveness, that, that is, that's awakenedness, And that's a sustainable, uh, we can sustain that. That is a sustainable uh, state of being. And it's not even high. It's not, not even special. And then the, then the, uh, then the emotional habits. You know, you can be feeling happy or sad or whatever, or elated or depressed. But the awareness of the is not judging it either. It's not awareness. Does is not judging, not making moral judgments or value judgments. It's just recognizing. It's like this. And so you see the, the arising, the ceasing, the presence, the absence of, of, uh, of your karma, karmic tendencies. And then the, then the ability to sustain through the, the cessation of condition to recognizing what I refer to as the unconditioned or the non-attachment. In this life is a samana. It really, uh, you know, it's, it's a tremendous commitment to uh, to restraint, uh, and so it, you know, it's a it's an amazing kind of thing to be doing actually, to to making such a powerful commitment to limitation and restraint at a time where limitation and restraint are are not values uh, promoted by modern society <laughs> and it's freedom freedom is the big thing and uh, fulfillment fulfilling yourself and being free are the kind of ideals of the age at least is from my from my view anyway so it it is a uh, it is a is a very powerful uh, form that we're in, um, and that that it's uh, and that it's its purpose. What is its purpose? Is it denial, rejection, uh, judgment of anything? No. Is it is it to to uh, you know, are we here to punish ourselves or what? Or is it to the, an opportunity to say simplify experience in terms of of uh, of the, the the margins of action and speech that that we agree to 
in order to have the more time, more opportunity, more uh, helpful conventions to to investigate our own experience within the restraining uh, form that that we've chosen. Well, I don't know why you're a monk or a nun. I mean, only you know that. <laughs> but uh, in terms of my own experience, this is the point of it, isn't it? To to use the the convention not as an attachment, or uh, but as a something that that helps us to develop, to remind us to be awake to pay attention to life, to conscious experience in, in all its permutations and, and various, uh, you know, it, from, from the extremes to the ordinariness, dreariness, boredom, confusion, um, doubt, worry, uh, all these are, are, are for Understanding, doubting, and and uh, and boredom is very much uh, what we experience in monastic life. Just the boredom, boringness of it, and the and the the uncertainty, being you know the uncertainty of it all, the insecurity of it. But the refuge isn't in the form, is it? But in the awareness. The, the Buddha Dhamma Sangha. So in I offer this as a reflection uh, because this week we have opportunity to, to to practice in this way. It doesn't take like formal meetings, but a, a determination to use the, what happens during this week as for developing, for using, for, for being attentive and aware of what we're actually feeling. And whatever you're feeling, it doesn't doesn't matter as long as you know. Just the encouragement to 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 begin to pay attention to life. So I offer this as a reflection.